Welcome to Cryptic Chronicles, a show all about everything unexplained, mysterious, and weird in the world. Today on the show, we're going to go over the Love Has One cult, um, one of the less known kind of bizarre cults out there who kind of have a lot in common with UFO cults and whatnot. It's one of the cults that are like one of, along the lines of the more cringe type corruption of new age beliefs type of thing here, kind of deal. But the story is actually pretty engaging and interesting despite all the dark aspects surrounding it. The Love Has One cult in name doesn't exist anymore, but it is uh, originally started by a woman named Mother God, or that's what she called herself, who literally claimed to be God. And there's all kinds of brainwashing, abuse, a bunch of very, 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 very culty stuff revolving around this story. So uh, listener discretion advised, especially since there's some people who in this cult say that Hitler was right type of stuff. So, you know. Anyway, let's hop right into it, shall we? I'm your host, Tim Hacker, and you're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. This is, this is the way. This is the way. These, these entities, they would congregate. sleep deprivation, mental manipulation. I do see it as an attempt to brainwash. When I did go in to see Mother God for the first time, it was odd to see someone frail in a bed. Our guest today calls herself Mother God. She is a leader of an organization called Love Has Won, and her members were very excited about her appearance today. Take a look. Mom did her interview with Dr. Phil yesterday. Something big is happening. She's going to kick ass because all of these people are liars. And mom's going to be sharing the whole truth. I'm fucking gone, you fucking whores. The Love Has One cult revolves around Amy Carlson, who they call Mother God, and look at as literally God with a capital G in human form. Her goal is to fight the darkness and assist humanity in transcending to the fifth dimension. She claims to be hard at work behind the scenes processing humanity's density in our transition. Amy, aka Mother God, claims to be the reincarnation of many profound historical figures, including Jesus. She was also Queen Elizabeth, Cleopatra, Amelia Earhart, Joan of Arc, Pocahontas, Harriet Tubman, Marilyn Monroe and pretty much anyone else in history that Amy took a liking to. Amy says that she was reincarnated 534 times in all those existences with full recall and memory of them. The cult says that she is the prime source creator, here to save everyone. The cult leader says that she has created herself from all the love energies and the unknown. So, to the cult, she's the most important person for thing ever. And as such, she claims that hundreds of assassination attempts have been conducted on her by dark forces, and you are either with Mother God or you are against Mother God. 
So basically the opposite of enlightened thought. But it gets way, way more out there. Just you wait. Amy says that the experiment of free will has failed. And now it is time to call all her children back to the light. Back home. So Amy Carlson kind of is the de textbook definition of a narcissist. Once it got rolling, the doctrines of the group would be ever-shifting, but it did accumulate a ton of already existing lore. They claimed that Amy was at one point the queen of the lost continent of Lemuria, and incorporated beliefs similar to like the New Age stuff saying Lemurians live in Mount Shasta, California, and Amy liked to say that one of her closest helpers is Zadkiel, an archangel, who was actually Robin Williams, the actor, all along. And he visited her upon his death and still helped her throughout the Love as One movement history. You know, you got it. Basically, concerning their ideologies and their cult doctrines, you basically got it all. You got Atlantis, the Anunnaki, reptilians, etc. The cult dabbles into starseed lore and UFO phenomenon lore as well, saying Mother God has a team working for her known as the Galactic Federation of Light. Which, if you know starseed lore, yeah, that's the same one she's talking about referring to. Says like basically works for her. Some pretty insane level of arrogance, whether you believe that stuff or not. We're talking about the alliance of the aliens such as the Arcturians, Feline Lyrans, Andromedans, Yael, Pleiadians, all that good stuff. And the Galactic Federation of Light goes through people called the Ascended Masters to communicate and influence humanity. Especially the legendary Ascended Master, Saint Germain, who of course lives in Mount Shasta, California. Saint Germain I have talked about a handful of times here and there, but if you're unfamiliar with his lore, he's essentially like an immortal figure who... He, some in some stories, he's discovered the Philosopher's Stone through alchemy and became like an, a timeless Ascended Master. But there's different versions. Lots of New Age stuff revolves around him. Her team also has an entity named Cryon, who's an entity allegedly channeled in 1989 by Lee Carroll, a New Age person, and is like an, an energy or group energy or angelic being. There have been lots of descriptions. Lots of other New Age believers have latched onto the narrative and elaborated on it, adding to it over the years. So the cult really does uh, just pick and choose what to throw into its lore and rhetoric. And if you are familiar with esoteric lore and New Age stuff to a degree, you know that a lot of this is not original. If you remember the Heaven's Gate cult from the 90s that deleted themselves, then a lot of the Love Has One cult is uh, going to seem familiar. It's pretty much a belief system that's an amalgamation of bits from all over the place, including organized religion. And there's a lot of conspiracy stuff in there too, but it mostly revolves around New Age type stuff and older UFO cults and whatnot. And the Love Has One cult even comes with its own apocalypse lore. I mean, you have to if you're a cult that wants to be taken seriously, right? To them, when Judgment Day comes, only 144,000 humans will transcend and the rest are screwed. No redemption, no afterlife, all souls just get sucked into the galactic sun for annihilation to be recycled. Gloomy. However, God is not without her counterpart. She also has her twin flame, a 
And if you're unfamiliar with that term, it's essentially like two bodies sharing the same soul and is a pretty popular term in New Age stuff. Jason Castillo is probably the most well-known Father God, but Father God can apparently be replaced easily and only Mother God matters because he's allegedly the sixth person that has filled this role, which is also kind of weird because Amy says that she created Father God from her own heart. And if the role switches around so much, then this is some pretty loose canon. Apparently, Amy was taken away and separated from Father God for 19 billion years. And this is why the human race is stuck in the darkness of 3D reality. Mother God sent Father God to the lowest levels of hell to collect the darkness, while she balanced darkness and harmonics in the heavenly realms and created the role of Father God of the multiverse, which is another rank of the cult. And it's these three roles that are the, the true Holy Trinity and the Christian one with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit just being a corruption. The reunification of Father God and Mother God, according to Amy, is bringing the second Big Bang and a new multiverse. One of the other main pieces of the rhetoric surrounding this organization is the threat from dark forces. They name this dark force the Cabal. And it has some things in common with other New Age groups who kind of think the same way, just to a different degree. They believe these people of the Cabal don't even have souls and are less than human, who only have a dark fate awaiting them. They, in turn, work for the darker forces above them and in other circles would probably be called like um, the Archons, the Reptilians, the Devils, stuff like that. But it is funny just how much the love has one cult rips off other things and then tries to make it their own. Like the idea that these dark forces are keeping humanity at a low vibration and lower forms of consciousness and whatnot, which is straight up ripped off from real wisdom traditions. However, they seem to only have a, a half understanding of this kind of stuff, but they also absolutely absorb some of the more hardline uh, conspiracy theories into their ideology in pretty toxic ways. But the cult is also kind of financially shady as well. They are a tax-exempt 501c3 registered New Age religion that also has an online store called Gaia's Whole Healing Essentials that sells products like a plasma generator that generates balanced harmonic energy fields, herbal remedies that make you immune to viruses during pandemics, among all manner of other spiritual treatments and products sold at astronomical prices. Formerly, Amy even offered the service to go inside you and clear out your etheric energy from stuff she called cabal wear and is like supposed to be an astral cleansing or something. She called them spiritual surgeries, and they were very expensive. She claimed that it could cure any ailment known to the medical world. And well, she said that it could even cure cancer, so that's, uh, that's pretty messed up to take advantage of people who could be in such desperate situations. So it's uh, basically just a, a whole store of snake oil products and they don't have to pay any taxes on it. And you may be wondering, so, okay, well, with how weird all of this stuff sounds, how did they become so famous and gain such a following? The answer is social media. 
The group did daily live streams on YouTube for years in order to recruit members, solicit donations, and promote these new age products. Despite the majority of people, if they saw one of the live streams, you know, they'd most likely just cringe if they came across it just randomly through the suggestions or whatever. A decent amount of people actually bought into this stuff and supported it. And the people mainly behind these live streams and getting recruits and stuff like that, doing marketing, were the first contact ground team. These were not only the cult's main supporters, but it was uh, the hype men of the group. The first contact ground team 100% fully believed that she was God with a capital G and would do anything for her and the cult, including giving up their entire lives and belongings to serve her. To become one of the first contact ground team members was to basically cut ties with all of your friends, your family, everything you ever knew. Everything is gone. Basically reborn into a new world. They are the extremists and core of enforcement and doers of maybe not so savory things if asked, if you get my drift. Allegedly. The first contact ground team are the core members and ran a lot of the stuff behind the scenes. It is a, a group of around maybe 20, 30 members at its, at its tops. It's kind of hard to keep track of them now, and it's hard to keep track of where, what these numbers were at during the lifetime of the cult, obviously. They didn't keep records. And recently they changed their name from Love Has One to 5D Full Disclosure, so it's uh, not the easiest to keep track of them. For a long time, they lived with Amy Carlson in Crestone, a small town in Saguish County in southwestern Colorado. And these are the people that are probably going to be sending me hate mail once this episode is released. But whatever. If you find an archive of all their old streams and uh, a way to watch their old channel, because a lot of stuff has been deleted off of it. But if you find a way to find any of this stuff and watch it, the people who are on these live streams are almost always the first contact ground team. If there's any marketing, if there's any going between, you know, like uh, say they're moving somewhere and they have to rent an area for the cult to live, it's them who takes care of all the business. Not all the business, but like the, you know, the grunt work. And while they have a pretty high place on the totem pole in the cult, it actually kind of sucks at the same time. Uh, you'll see later when I get into it, like the inner circle, people have to put up with a lot of a lot of BS and sleep deprivation. But we'll get there. One of the defining aspects of the cult is their toxic beliefs. And it's weird, it's bizarre that despite them... Uh, believing in an amalgamation of basically all spiritual movements and esoteric New Age stuff, they have some pretty harmful rhetoric that would be backwards to any person who is even somewhat slightly enlightened in any way, fashion, or form. Like, lots of what they say are just basically pretty harmful. The anti-Semitic stuff is just a start because they get pretty racist too at times. And it isn't just against minorities or minor like uh, racist slang that's derogatory towards minorities. Like they talk about how Jewish people just want to take money and make everyone else do all the work. Even though Jewish people are like the hardest working people on the planet in many ways. Just like the Japanese. You know, as an old saying, Japanese are just like everybody else, only more so. And if you analyze this saying, it's kind of like, what the hell does that mean? But what it's saying is that they just... 
They have a lot of focus and drive around their lives. That's part of their culture. So it has nothing to do with race. And the Jewish people are similar to the Japanese in a lot of ways. Like they, they're very dedicated. They're family driven. They have their whole life planned out basically ahead of time. They have a timeline for their goals that they're setting. They put their money into their future. They invest in themselves. All of these things that are part of their culture just kind of inevitably lead to success. It has nothing to do with race. I mean, Japanese people, these, they literally like sleep in their offices, but you got to admire all that dedication and hard work. And the whole stuff about them saying that they want to keep all the money to themselves. Well, this is an actual statistic that you can go look up right now if you want to just prove it to yourself. But there is, in America at least, there's literally no other group that donates more to charity and donates more to causes to help impoverished people than the Jewish community in America. And I'm not simping for the Hebrews. This is just fact. Like You can't argue with statistics. Even though that they're such a small part of the population, they actually are one of the people who donate the most to help society. It's true. So for the Love Has One cult to go around saying stuff like this, it's just ridiculous. And, you know, they say that Hitler was just trying to teach him a lesson to actually go work and stuff. And if you're agreeing with Hitler, you might just be the bad guy. Just saying. How many schools did Amy donate to in impoverished areas? How much has the Love Has One cult donated to charity? How many normal people's lives were made better because of donations from <laughs> these people? What fundraising have they done or organizations, nonprofit organizations, been created by them to make the world a better place? The answer is none. Zero. So maybe they should probably try one of the oldest truths in the wisdom traditions. Try cleaning up your own yard before you tell your neighbor to clean up theirs. I'm kind of blobbing on this, huh? I don't really want to go too deep into this kind of stuff. It's just not my style. You know this. And I definitely don't want to sound preachy. But their narratives pretty much don't make any sense and don't have any logical sense, though. And they're, they say racist stuff that's that is pretty bad and stupid and backwards. Kind of gross. So with this kind of toxic teachings in the cults, you can imagine the abuse and crazy stuff that goes on behind the scenes, right? Well, I guess I should say allegedly, just because I don't want to get sued. But, well, not really allegedly, though, because a, a lot of the abuse that's happened there has been caught on film and also affidavits, which are also evidence, despite so many people saying that they're not. But it is evidence. An affidavit of a victim witnessing a crime or being a victim of something is evidence. And to quote Wikipedia, the group has been described as a cult by ex-members and numerous media outlets. Ex-members accused the group of physical abuse and sleep deprivation, with members allegedly only being allowed to sleep for four to five hours a night. The Saguich County Sheriff's Office reported that they had received many complaints about the group from families, about brainwashing and fraud. In May 2020, a member of the group was found wandering in the wilderness, disorientated, naked and dehydrated after being described by the group as lacking the right energy 
and being on the wrong side of the mountain. Despite the group banning drinking and drugs for members, Carlson was accused of drinking large amounts of alcohol and subsequently behaving abusively. The group featured on an episode of Dr. Phil in September 2020, where Carlson and two members were confronted with claims of abuse, which they denied. Recordings which were produced by the group show its members making anti-Semitic and racist remarks. End quote. However, despite being so notorious to some, the cult has overall kind of stayed under the radar, at least to the public at large, I guess. That is until relatively recently, which we'll get into. But for the most part, if you just ask somebody randomly on the street, hey, do you know who the Love Has One cult is? It's likely that they would have no idea what you were talking about. Other than specific sleuth-like communities on the internet or, you know, like Reddit weird stuff. Uh, people who document and make content on the darker aspects of our world. Outside of these circles, most people have no idea who Amy Carlson is. But she definitely deserves to be more well-known in cult leader lore. But how did this all get started, you might be thinking. I was definitely, when I first started my research into this topic, I was more interested in how did she become who she is and what led her to do what she's done? What things in her life kind of helped mold her into Mother God? Well, we'll get into that soon enough. Let's, uh, when we come back from the break, let's get into the origin behind all this. The origin story. I'm your host, Tim Hacker, and you're listening to Cryptic Chronicles. One thing you can invest in that does not lose value is gold and silver. There is no better place to go for financial security than GoldCo. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau. Get the free 2023 Gold IRA Kit Americans are using to protect their retirement savings. Get your free 2023 Gold IRA Kit at goldcogoldkit.com. GoldCo is a leader in the precious metals industry. From Precious Metals IRA to direct purchases of precious metal coins and bars, we partner with individuals seeking to diversify and safely grow their retirement portfolios. Allow Gold Co. to make your gold and silver investments easy, seamless, and secure. Our investment is in good hands. Chuck Norris, what? Oh, I'm recording. $30 off weed with code PODCAST? Did someone say $30 off weed with code PODCAST? 
Amuse delivers over 500 high-quality cannabis products from the Bay Area brands you love at everyday low prices. You can also rest assured that everything will be up to your high standards. So what are you waiting for? Start shopping now at Amuse.com. Use promo code PODCAST to save 30 bucks off your next order. That's A-M-U-S-E dot com. Is your brain always hungry? Do you have a mental appetite that often goes unsated? You may be suffering from hungry brain syndrome, a debilitating and sometimes life-threatening condition experienced by humans who require double, sometimes even quadruple, the amount of mental nutrition needed to sustain the general population. But now there's help. For years, our dedicated team of world-class researchers have been developing a thicker, more nutrient-dense podcast specifically for sufferers of hungry brain syndrome. And now we want to share it with you. All you have to do is search for our podcast, The Whole Rabbit, in your podcast player of choice and select from one of our delicious flavors like Slovenian succubi, Gnosticism, or Ancient Egypt. It's no wonder The Whole Rabbit is the most recommended treatment for hungry brain syndrome on the market. So what are you waiting for? Try The Whole Rabbit today. Do not listen while deep sea diving. Side effects may include eating carrots and shooting lasers. The family of Amy Carlson has been interviewed many times, and according to them, Amy Carlson grew up in Dallas, Texas, and she was mostly normal. It seemed to the point that she could fit in normally, basically in most social situations as any anyone would, and she was even a straight-A student. It wasn't really until her 20s that she started getting into some stuff that kind of worried them, or openly saying unprovable or disprovable fringe lore, like, uh, like it's fact. Amy started talking casually about starships and aliens and whatnot, which her family thought was kind of strange, but it wasn't really worrying or anything like that yet. However, people who went to school with Amy claimed that she was a total narcissist and a drama queen that was pretty much a thorn in a lot of people's sides. These claims are unsubstantiated, though. She even got married, then divorced, then married again, then divorced again, and then married again for a third time, and even had children but lots of people say that even though this seems like a stable era, Amy had always suffered from some sort of undiagnosed mental health issue. But this is also unsubstantiated. People who allegedly knew her say she also suffered from trauma and abusive relationships. And those who left the cults who allegedly knew her say that she has always had substance abuse issues, particularly alcohol. During the early to mid-2000s is when she started to really become absorbed in the weird and regularly posted on forums like lightworkers.org and being consumed in new age philosophies. And you know, that's not a bad thing at all, but there are people who take it too far and become trapped in delusions of grandeur and detached from reality. This is one of those cases. And it was in these new age forums that she met Amerith White Eagle, the original father god. But he didn't have that title quite yet, but did convince Amy that she was a divine being, sparking her later fall into delusions of grandeur. Shortly after, Amy began to claim that she experienced paranormal phenomena to great degree regularly, and started to hint at some pretty drastic things that revealed a massive ego. And she became so just enraptured and consumed in all this new age stuff and all these new age people that she was meeting that basically consumed her life. 
she became more and more detached from reality and the rest of her family and friends and basically everything that came before. In 2007, Amy left her third husband, as well as her children, and her job as a manager at McDonald's to go be with a Meredith White Eagle in Colorado. She started calling herself Leah Emil, and it was at this time that she completely cut ties with all her family and her actions, for the most part, from that point on, are not really known to them very well because she just completely cut them off in all ways. She abandoned them all and had zero contact with them. And if she was found, she would just ignore them. It's pretty cold to do to your own kids. It really does take a special type of person to just abandon your own children. But she and White Eagle then formed their early Colts group, and they surprisingly got a little group together pretty quick. The cult first presented itself to the public eye all the way back in 2009. They called themselves the Galactic Federation of Light. You know, the uh, stealing that Starseed lore stuff that I mentioned earlier and uh, posting it to YouTube. It was called Father God Speaks to Humanity. So this is before it became Love Has One and is the murkiest time to research about the cult. But Amy Carlson was claiming to be God in some way or another a couple of years even before that, probably around 2006. So it was a work in progress kind of thing. Most people think it was White Eagle to convince Amy that she was Mother God, quote unquote. And it seems to check out since he did already convince her that she was a divine entity back when they were exchanging back and forth on the New Age forums. And White Eagle took the title Father God, the first one of many to come. In 2012, they changed their name to Galactic Free Press, but we are getting closer to them becoming Love Has Won, and they were releasing YouTube videos nonstop, so the ball was rolling, but it hadn't really gone sideways yet. Amy seems pretty together in the videos and puts on a good persona of being like a, an enlightened guru type of person in a way. She's happy and even has an inspiring nature about her. She could even be considered charismatic to a degree. She was, however, openly referring to herself as God with a capital G. So obviously a lot of people just cringed at the content and couldn't take her seriously. Despite this though, there was a lot of people that did take her seriously and were sucked in. Cults like this prey on vulnerable people and uh, too many. <laughs> A lot of them, I guess, just really did find comfort in what she had to say, and the snake oil just went right over their head. White Eagle and Amy stayed together until 2014, when he did eventually leave her. Allegedly, he abused her, but it was never proven. She says that he locked her in a closet and other stuff, but... Ugh, can you really trust somebody that calls themselves God? Can you really take seriously a fight between two cult leaders like this? I guess, yes, but in any case, there was no evidence, so White Eagle never got convicted of anything, but it was absolutely over with the first Father God. She immediately posted a video saying, quote unquote, we triggered the event, like uh, it was some cosmic chest move made by her or something. Her followers from this point on basically look at White Eagle like the devil and have all kinds of fancy names for him. Supposedly, he also jacked a lot of money from Amy and the cult. And uh, during all the fallout, 
He also sabotaged the group's website, allegedly. This same year, Carlson attracted her first genuine believer slash follower, Miguel Lamboy. He also goes by Michael in honor of the Archangel Michael, who she says that he is the Archangel Michael. Amy claims that Miguel saved her, and from this point on, he served as basically the group manager and handle the cult's logistics and finances. From 2014 on, the movement would grow more and more thanks to their twice-a-day YouTube streams and social media. And this also marks the first mention of the first contact ground crew in Amy's videos. In 2015, Amy found her new Father God, who was a mild-mannered man named Andrew. But he didn't last that long. He stayed with Mother God less than a year before by his own words, quote, realized I made a major mistake. And then he ditched the group, which was pretty smart. He says when he figured it out is when he drove out into the middle of nowhere and right when exiting the taxi, he pretty much realized what he'd done and what the group really was. But again, it didn't take Amy too long to find a new guy. But she didn't bestow upon him the title Father God. She just called him Twin Flame. And if you don't know what a twin flame is, it's like uh, an esoteric thing, new age thing, where supposedly two people who have different bodies share the same soul and they're like meant to be together. But um, in December of that same year, she found a man named RJ to fit the role and posted a video of a ceremony happening in Clearwater, Florida. It was pretty much a new age wedding ceremony. <laughs> I'm pretty sure um, all the researchers say that this wedding was not legal. In March 2016, though, good old Mother God found herself the real deal with an all-new, improved Father God. He pops up for the first time, summoning demons or something, um, like uh, poor Lucifer in a video. It's not quite clear, but he's shouting about Lucifer, I think. Anyway, his name is Jonah, and Amy has the sage out and everything, and Jonah is like super into it, giving it his all. It's very cringy. Sadly, all videos of Jonah, Father God, were deleted from YouTube. So that part of the saga is pretty vague. But right after posting a video about them being the queen and king of the planet. We are the queen and the king of this planet. RJ, the twin flame, posts a video about how their website had been hijacked and $30,000 had been stolen from the group. But $70,000 on top of that had been stolen from the cult over the past years as well, which was a major roadblock for them in their coming trip to Mount Shasta, where they'd received secret codes from the Ascended Masters. This has put a wrench, so to speak, in us fulfilling the mission to go to Mount Shasta. Our marriage. Our yes, marriage. the divine marriage is the, the ceremony that is to take place in Mount Shasta. Which the funds with, to accomplish this were stolen. Yes. Yes, it has. We need your help, humanity. Mm. They also planned to have a second marriage, but this one would be divine, quote unquote, a divine marriage. And if you don't know what an ascended master is, uh, 
look up like Count St. Germain, there's a lot of Ascendant Master stuff associated with him, and specifically him and Mount Shasta. It's basically just immortal spiritual masters that watch over humanity. But what's funny about this video is you can hear Amy talking from outside the camera, like uh, telling him exactly what to say and to ask the followers and viewers for money to make up for the alleged stolen money. And it's unintentionally kind of humorous because it's like she doesn't know that the camera can hear her kind of a thing. Or if she does and doesn't care and doesn't realize that it's funny. And um, he's like trying to act all sage and like an enlightened guru during the whole thing. It's pretty funny. Now, the missing money is still kind of a mystery to this day. But RJ accuses Andrew, the short-lived and former second father god of stealing the money, as well as White Eagle, the first father god of stealing the other half. But there was never any legal case for any of that, and nobody was ever proven of anything. And it's kind of most likely that Amy herself spent that money on stuff. But no evidence for any anything. It's just still unsolved. But we are now officially at the timeline where the group had, they called themselves Love Has Won, with 2016 being one of the biggest years for the group. And in 2016, Miguel, a.k.a. Archangel Michael, steps up to the plate to become the official, like, face of Love Has Won and has uh, is, like, the one that's uh, updating the channel most regularly. However, Michael is kind of shady. It's not really provable he believes in all the cult doctrine concerning Mother God and whatnot, or even really has any personal stake in the group other than financially, because all that stuff the cult buys, including property, is in his name. So if the cult falls apart, then he's the only one that's going to gain, essentially. And he's always kind of stayed out of the limelight and stuff, other than the updates to the YouTube channel. So there's a good chance that Michael is a con man, and his resume is also not backed up. It's a, just kind of a copy-paste example resume that's easily found on the internet. Mother God's Archangel Michael may not be as holy as she originally thought. But to really, really know this dude is shady is he claims to have had stage 4 lung cancer and, get this, was cured by Mother God's powers. Definitely low scumbaggery that only a con man with no ethics would go on about. And it's this dude that's 100% in control of the cult's finances. Not only that, but our Archangel Michael is the holder of all of the belongings, money, and everything pretty much that the cult requires new members to give up upon joining. So people who join the cult basically give all their money away or any belongings, all of it, to the top people of the cult. Sounds like too many eggs in one basket, if you ask me. And the group isn't too happy with Michael at present, but I'll get into that later. But not only do you have to give basically everything that you own and all your money to the cult when you join, it's just kind of the beginning of all the messed up stuff you gotta do to be a part of Love Has One. Like I said earlier, there are no drugs or alcohol unless you are one of the leaders. But you are also only allowed four hours of sleep every night. Some members only two hours of sleep. And if you know anything about cults or coercion or like torture tactics of the past, sleep deprivation is an amazing way to keep people complacent and brainwash them. 
People are also only allowed to pee sitting down to venerate the divine feminine, which is just super bizarre. I mean, if God created wieners so guys could stand up to pee, wouldn't standing up to pee be honoring God? Logical fallacies aside, not to mother God. <laughs> and that's just kind of ridiculous. Sorry. I'll stay, I'll stay serious. All members must also wear only certain colors on certain days of the week in line with the color of the chakra associated with that day, which is very vibing of them, but still kind of weird. And it's this little knowledge of the group that explains why on live streams they're all wearing the same colors and stuff. I mean, that is pretty culty, but there's actually a reason behind it. There's also no personal money allowed or spending any money on yourself or owning anything, saying stuff like, I think is against the rules too. Instead, you got to say, I feel. You can't say that you remember something. You have to word it like, I re-heart it, which is dumb. And a lot of members struggle with this new wording and phrasing um, of their thoughts early on because a lot of the time it is just arbitrary and what the new thing they have to do is just based on what annoyed Mother God momentarily that particular day. There is also absolutely no dating or intimate relationships allowed of any sort whatsoever, despite the men and women of the group constantly being with one another. However, the exception is that Amy can choose to force people to be together, whether they want to be a couple or not. She personally arranges any relationships too, which I'm sure there's some forced young girls to be with older guys in there, that they hate and aren't attracted to. But I mean, come on. You know that this, uh, her choosing who can be with who thing made things pretty creepy and weird. A lot. Gross at times, a lot. And is probably why a lot of the former members fled the cult. But if you didn't get picked by Amy to be able to be with somebody, then you were celibate by force. No exceptions. Also... Members get pretty starved. Mother God says to be in the right with God, with right action, you can't eat a lot of food. Another interesting method of mind control and brainwashing. Keeping people malnourished keeps their minds mushy. The cultists say that they don't need as much food as normal humans because they are united with the unified field and chosen for ascendance by God. They are transitioning out of needing food or sleep for the ascended new earth. But becoming one of the chosen also means cutting off all ties with everyone you know, including immediate family and everybody, anyone you can think of. And this right here is the biggest cult tactic to isolate and control vulnerable people to brainwash them. There's a lot of mind manipulation going on. People, first and foremost, should not be made to choose their children or Amy, which is considered Mother God. And why this is happening is because she is making people serve her and making people believe that she really is God. And if that was God, God would not make us leave our children. I didn't feel love from somebody that was consistently looking for things wrong with me. If they don't have any family, if they don't have any supporting them, um, or, or like helping them think things out, get reason 
you know, by people who actually care about them and not are just trying to use them and control them. If they can cut all that off, they can own their minds. And that's exactly how the cult works. I think I forgot to mention who the Father God to Father God to Father God transitions we're going through. Um, the next one doesn't really matter, though. A man named John was the temporary Father God, but was demoted to Father of the Universe after a man named Jason Costello took the title. And a lot of people think that Love Has One has always been a pretty nutty cult, but researchers say that it pretty much went to the got even darker and worse after Jason Costello became the new Father God, because allegedly the mental and verbal abuse increased dramatically once he came around. And it's this Jason Costello who's the Father God in the prime time of the Love as One cult. Jason has a tragic backstory of abuse, neglect, and before he joined the cult was even a homeless man on the streets of Las Vegas. When he joined, he almost immediately moved in with them. And somehow he quickly was decided to be the new father god and John was told to go kick rocks and go to the third title. He was just there as like a placeholder or something until Jason came around. So we're going to play a little game now with everybody up there called Find the Whore. Then I'm just going to call you up, Susie Hilfiger whore. We got some billionaire whore action going on. I'm going to pretend to love God. She came to mission. You were contracted to help God. What are you doing? Nothing. Sucking like the rest of the fucking Illuminati whores. A lot of the abuse from the later members of the cult attributed to Jason, and allegedly he has also sexually assaulted members of the cult. Though, this is yet to be proven in court. But it's at this point that Love Has One is really becoming fully what it is notorious for and coming completely into its own. A running theme of the group is its members constantly coming and leaving like a revolving door, probably because of the abuse and weird stuff that they are constantly forced to do. But who knows? In any case, from 2017 up, there was an increase of new faces on the live streams, and they were always coming and going, with only a small amount sticking around indefinitely. Despite all of the people leaving and the cult constantly, like um, having whispers of darkness behind the scenes, people kept joining the cult and supporting it financially. It was at this point that Love Has One was obviously successful, like a successful scam. But it's also since 2018 that viewers of the live streams started to notice a visible decline in Amy Carlson's health. Mother God was deteriorating before their very eyes.
Listening to Cryptic Chronicles. The show is sponsored by Blueberry, and if you're interested in starting your own podcast, use our link. We'll even give your podcast a shout out. Go to crypticchroniclespodcast.com and click on the Blueberry link on the homepage. By doing so, you'll be helping the show. Blueberry is optimized for iTunes as well as all podcast hubs. You won't have to worry about expensive contracts or fees. In fact, you won't have to leave your own website. You'll have your own RSS feed and no third party sites. Try it for a month free by going through Cryptic Chronicles. Also, if you're a fan of cryptic content, please support the show on Patreon. By giving just $1 a month, you can really assist us in posting more content frequently. You'll also have access to bonus ad-free episodes of the show and the Discord channel. To keep up with all Cryptic Chronicles content, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, and of course Facebook. Give the Facebook page a like and join the Cryptic Chronicles group. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for supporting the show. For most of all, thanks for listening. The group stayed in California for a long time, but would move around and take the whole cult with them. They went to Florida at one point, and in Florida, Father God, Jason Costello, was arrested for trespassing and spent some time in prison, which I don't really get because how do you go to prison for trespassing? There's more to that story I just couldn't dig up. I mean, unless Jason Costello... I already had a decent criminal record. And while Father God spent a handful of months in prison, the cult moved on again, this time to Colorado. On the live streams, the group stated that the reason why Father God wasn't around was because he was on a quote-unquote mission, but he was actually just locked up. The abrupt move to Colorado was kind of mysterious, and it could have had something to do with Father God, but I don't know. The cult was living in a trailer park in Florida, and there were a lot of allegations that they were being a pain in the ass to basically all the other residents of the park, but I couldn't find anything substantial or absolute to back that up. In 2019, Jason did return to the group, but upon his return, a fire broke out in a nearby house that coincidentally, or not so coincidentally, belonged to the same guy in Florida that Jason got in trouble for trespassing on his property and sent to prison. Obviously, the timing of Jason's return and this fire seems highly dubious to say the least, but again, there's no evidence that Father God or the group had anything to do with the fire. So there's a lot of shady stuff that revolves around Jason and a lot of people have been led to think that even human trafficking has gone on behind the scenes. Whereas some people in the cult have been forced into prostitution even. But again, allegedly. Because it has not been proven in court. But there is a lot of evidence for verbal abuse committed by Jason in many live streams and Love Has One videos. With the former father god John being one of the common punching bags for him. But all in all, he seems like a pretty, 
or extremely unpleasant person. You ain't gonna tell me to use something and try to turn the energy on me as I'm going to God. It's gonna take half your body up. You're gonna be a paraplegic. You're only gonna have the right usage of your leg and arm if you push me on this. First thing you did was get up and sit in the dark. That's what I observed. Why doesn't you put the light on? Because you love the dark. Who loves the dark? Cockroaches. Son, are you going to wake up and serve God, or are you going to go to sleep? Uh, yes. Yes what? Serve God. Really? Mm-hmm. When? When you choose? Today, as soon as I'm Sometime up. today? As soon as I'm up, yes. Okay. Well, when are you going to get up? Because everyone's up. He also claimed that he was going to bury a member of the group named Robert Foyle in the backyard of the compound. When Robert went missing, a lot of people suspected foul play. And this was a, a heated topic to those calling out the cult online for a bit. That is until Robert popped back up, turning out to have been in prison. Now, is the reason why he was in prison related to the cult? Who knows? But at least he wasn't murdered by Father God. But Jason was not the only abuser of people in the group, because it is a present feature during its whole existence. Amy herself is a constant abuser and seen abusing members on live streams many times. One of her main pieces of rhetoric to unsettle people is claiming that they weren't in quote-unquote right action, which was most of the time just basically getting on her nerves, but could lead to a lot of unfortunate consequences. Yeah, lick your lips, get in right action, bitch. Stop being a bitch! So we're going to play a little game now called Find the Whore. She's locked kids in closets by themselves, abused cats, and all kinds of other pretty dark acts on streams that people have called out. Jason Costello and Mother God, Amy, also like to play an abusive game called Find the Whore. Apparently, if a female member of the cult starts to get too confident or independent or just like a free thinker, This really pisses off Mother God. And Jason will start a game called Find the Whore, saying there is a Lilith among them, sucking the energy and bringing down the vibrations. It is then left to the group to weed out this Lilith amongst themselves for punishment, because having Lilith energy is absolutely not allowed in the cult. And having people draw the short straw, in a sense, is another classic cult technique to control its members. The leaders of the cult are essentially always vigilant and seeking out things that are wrong with its members, which creates an ever-present feeling of anxiety. It also makes the members consistently paranoid against one another, um, another means to make sure that there is never any organized pushback. Because you can't trust anybody, right? There was even a particular spot the cult has called Desolation Road. And it's used to punish its members or whoever pisses off Mother God or Father God or are not behaving how people want them to behave with an often excuse for sending people there being their vibrations are low. And this place is out in the elements. So even if it's freezing winter, they are sent there regardless and all they have for their shelter are flimsy tents. And when being sent to Desolation Road, there is no set time limit for the punishment. They just have to stay out in the elements in the middle of nowhere 
until Amy or Father God says that they can come back, which can be a long time in some cases. And the sad thing here is that it's pretty possible that people have died doing this or being forced to do this. We will most likely never know, but it is extremely dangerous. So the possibility that there have been unreported fatalities is high. One of the most well-known accounts of abuse is the Alan Witten case. And for the most part, the cult had been pretty much under the radar concerning the gutter press, but then this went down and the group got blasted into the mainstream news. Alex Witten had been watching the live streams on YouTube and been following the cult for a bit, and they sucked him in. He left his successful job and ditched his family to go join the cult. The man even popped up on one of the Love Has One live streams. But his, his time with the cult didn't last very long. They left him drugged and naked in the wilderness with cactus thorns shoved into his feet. Obviously, he was left for death, but luckily he survived. The cult later mentioned him on a live stream saying that he had the wrong energy, and so he was left on the wrong side of the mountain. He was found delirious, naked, and wandering in the wilderness. But luckily when he was saved, it was very much in time and he was transported to a hospital. This was a pretty big deal and brought a whole new level of antagonism to the group that they weren't quite used to yet. I mean, they, already, they always had their trolls and people calling them out, but nothing on the scale of pushback that they got after this incident. This opened up their existence to a much wider audience. When the family talked about the incident and the attempted murder, you know, and going into detail on why things didn't work out with him and the cult and whatnot, it turned out that he just wasn't into the four hours of sleep and he didn't want to cut ties with everything. He still wanted to interact with his family. You know, that's something that any non-crazy person would probably want to do. So... <laughs> Man, this thing is just goofy. I'm sorry. How do people fall for cults? But the cult apparently saw the interview and went on to mock the man and his family in a live stream, saying that he was weak and other unfounded insults. It's pretty messed up and dark. This obviously didn't go over very well with anyone following this story because you're the ones who basically tried to kill a guy, leaving him in the middle of nowhere, all drugged out. That's not a cool thing to do. Not very love and light. But you'll see that these this is probably one of the most popular incidences, but you'll see that these incidences of just like weird, dark stuff going down with this cult, like they are myriad. Another consistent claim about the group is their constant fraud, such as Mother God's Joy Fund, to which members constantly ask for donations online to entertain Amy. One of these funds is her gaming fund, where her followers ask for money so that she can play mobile games. Cult members have even claimed that Mother God fights the Cabal while playing these games through like a Matrix code-like manipulation or something. Like when she's playing the wasting money probably on a bunch of pay-to-win crap, she's actually fighting like the, the agents from the Matrix. Which only a child would believe unless you are indoctrinated into some crazy cult. But there are also lots of GoFundMes for schools or other random stuff that the money goes right into her pocket. So not only does she steal from all the new members, 
But she also pockets the cash from all these donations and... You know, like these fake fundraisers. And I'm pretty sure a single person profiting from this kind of stuff is the opposite of a non-profit. So they probably shouldn't have that tax-exempt status, huh? This is just shady stuff all around. In 2020, 14 members of the cult, including Mother God, went to Hawaii. Specifically, Kauai. The Love Has One cult were booked to be a season opener for the legendary Dr. Phil show. Being on the show put them in the public eye once more. And it was super awkward. Amy's own sisters that she had abandoned for years and years and years even came on the show, saying that she was mentally ill and that their core cult members are on the show as well. But it's really what the family members of Mother God say that really make Amy seem cringe. Dr. Phil does hold it together though for the most part and has a straight face during the his questions and the back and forth. And when these questions come from Dr. Phil, it just makes it makes everything sound pretty absurd. It's kind of like a train wreck that you just can't look away from. I'll link the episode of Dr. Phil in the details if you want to go check it out. But even though the Dr. Phil show was a hit, the group's time in Hawaii was pretty disastrous. Locals straight up protested outside where they were staying, demanding that they leave. And one of the cult's cars was even vandalized. The locals were already pretty annoyed that the group was there in the first place, but what really pissed them off and sent them over the edge was Amy claiming to be one of their gods, the god of the island that they were on. The goddess of volcanoes and fire, to be specific. So yeah, um, Amy claiming to be the local god was probably not a good PR move. The group also started casually appropriating the indigenous culture and all of this uh, really, really just pissed everybody off. And it wasn't even only all the disrespect to the natives. It was also that the Love Was One cult was not following any of the C-virus the guidelines because this was all going on at the height of the pandemic. So pretty much everything they did made them unpopular, to say the least. The mayor of Kauai himself visited the cult after receiving tons of complaints and told them that he and law enforcement couldn't guarantee the group's safety and that they should probably leave Hawaii which was a good call because the group needed a police escort to the to the airport so that they didn't get taken out by mob justice. And the core members flew to San Francisco and then back to Colorado. And remember that during this time, Amy's health is visually deteriorating before everybody's eyes. And she was not looking too good right now. The cult said that humanity betraying the creator was causing her health to decline. I mean, the cult already hated everybody who wasn't them, but their hate for the rest of humanity reached new levels at this point. Especially since, you know, after this whole Dr. Phil interview and, and then coming back to mainland United States, Amy was like, not looking too hot. On the Dr. Phil show, she claimed to have stage five bone cancer, which isn't a thing that exists in the medical world. But most believe her heavy drinking and drugs was catching up to her. Not to mention that she also used all the snake oil products that was on her store on herself, which had metals in it that could have poisoned her to a degree, with the evidence being the bluish tinge to her skin people noticed on live streams. Father God Jason is also one of the reasons why some people believe her health was failing, 
because he was always with her, never giving her a moment alone and always supplying her with alcohol and whatever else she was using, but more so. He's partly responsible because she was obviously unwell and he never did anything to help her or get her medical attention as well as the rest of the cult. And this is gonna be a key factor in what would lead to the demise of Amy. The other really scary thing is, according to some of the cult members, as Mother God began to really get bad, she was in a lot of pain. She'd ask for the other cult members to take her to the hospital. She'd be like, yo, I need medicine. Um, I need help. Get me medicine. Get me help. To which they'd all refuse. Including Father God. She'd beg and they'd say no. And this refusal to ever get Amy any treatment was apparently because they just distrusted all the hospitals and said that they were ran by the cabal and stuff like that. In any case, Amy was in an insane amount of pain and her followers did nothing to help her. In fact, they just isolated her and let her lay there wasting away. She just laid there dying slowly in excruciating pain. When people started to notice that she wasn't on the live streams anymore, you know, her family that was estranged with her still did love her and noticed that she wasn't appearing on the live streams and tried to look into her little disappearance. They tried to organize wellness checks and sent over ambulances and law enforcement and everything they could think of, but could never reach Amy. She was always hidden behind closed doors, even when other people tried to organize something too. It was all, it was all pretty much all bad. The cult believed that when Amy dies, she will ascend to 5D and begin the apocalypse and help them, the chosen ones, all ascend. So Amy kind of created the whole situation that brought her so much pain from her physical deterioration. Her own cult dogma was cutting back at her like a double-edged sword. And even though this is pretty dark and illegal and, you know, really messed up, poor Amy, I feel really bad for her, it gets even weirder. In April 2021, Miguel Lamboy, a.k.a. Archangel Michael, walked into a home owned by Love Has One to find a shrine and the mummified body of Amy Carlson. Michael was one of the head honchos, but knew nothing about Mother God dying or the cultist mummifying her body. However, he believed that Amy died in the home because it was technically his. He is in charge of all Love Has One finances and stuff. But he'd actually have been away for a bit after opening up the home to group members. You know, one of the things that he did was make sure that they all had places to stay. And when they came along saying that they needed, uh, needed to stay there, he was like, yeah. But he then started to believe that Amy had actually died in California and was brought to Colorado after her death and mummification. The vans that the cult used kind of gave this away. And after seeing the macabre display, he went to the police station to report the body in his home. The police investigated and evidence backed up his theory of the mummified body being transported there because of the evidence in the group's SUV. When an autopsy was done, no foul play was discovered. It was believed that Amy died of liver failure, which is an extremely slow and painful death and also explains her, like the way she looks kind of weird and discolored in the later live streams. Coroner suggested that she had been mummified for weeks. They'd been saging, lighting incense, and worshipping her body for some time. Seven of the followers were arrested and charged with the abuse of minors and the abuse of a corpse, and other charges along the lines of not reporting Amy's death. 
the um, just to clarify, the abuse of minors charges just was because the two minors were in the house and there was a dead body there and everybody knew that there was a dead body in the house, not any child abuse. So if your thoughts got dark when I said that, no, that's it wasn't the kids being abused. But it's, uh, I mean, it's still pretty traumatizing to have little kids around a, a mummified corpse of their god. And after these occurrences, the cult was obviously pretty pissed off at Michael for reporting the mummified remains to the authorities. And they also publicly mourned for some time on their various media platforms, but were still happy that Mother God finally ascended to the fifth dimension and was out of her misery. But it didn't take long for the cult to start to fracture from within. A lot of them claimed that Michael had taken a lot of Mother God's money. And uh, even more members of the cult denied that Amy had even died at all. They just outright denied it. So much so that in many of the live streams, you know, like when it, um, when it was brought up, they just denied it. Even in one of the live streams when Amy's sister joined them, saying that her sister was dead, the members on the live stream just mocked her and disrespected her and the idea that God could die. But eventually they all had to come to terms with it and admit that Mother God had died. Amy's 25-year-old estranged son that she'd abandoned when he was 10 back in the day to create the cults was pretty bummed out and still loved his mom even though that all the stuff that happened and how she left him. He said that he was looking into legal actions to help former cult members or anyone harmed by the cult that led to his mother's death. And love has one pretty much, it pretty much did die with Mother God. Remnants of the cult has since rebranded itself as 5D Disclosure with the slogan, quote, God was here, she ascended, now it's our turn. And they launched a whole new website and everything. John Castillo formed a separate group called Joy Reigns. And he's kind of hard to track down right now. But um, the various factions within the cult seem to be moving on without her. However, some do say that she's coming back, just like Jesus. And maybe even on a starship with aliens. In December 2021, coroners did release the official cause of Amy's death. It was a combination of alcohol abuse, anorexia, and chronic colloidal silver ingestion from her products. Since no foul play was discovered and the cause of death natural, the case is pretty much uh, brushed to the side now by law enforcement. But the story of this cult still seems to be far from over. That's all for today's episode. Cryptic Chronicles is available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Spreaker, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and basically all podcast hubs. You look for us and we're there. And though Cryptic Chronicles is free to listen to, the cost to sustain it and produce it is substantial. If you can, listener, please make sure to like, comment, or review wherever you hear this content. 
The interaction makes algorithms like the episode and so will spread it and help grow the show. Please share it with anybody like you who is interested in the unexplained mysteries, who is interested in the esoteric, who is interested in the darker, more weird side of the world that most people shy away from. Please share this. Share it on social media. Share it wherever you can. It really means a lot to me. And if you like Cryptic Chronicles, but you also happen to be awesome, consider becoming a supporter of the show on Patreon or Subscribestar. For just a single dollar, you get episodes months in advance. You get ad-free episodes. You get um, some premium content, as well as other benefits like uh, content you want me to cover, things like that, the direction you want the show to go. Basically, when you become a supporter, you become a part of Cryptic Chronicles and work with me to make it into what you think people will enjoy. Just go to crypticchronicles.com and at the top, click on the Chronicler's Vault and there you go. It's also pretty much linked in all my stuff. So make sure to follow me on Twitter, follow me on Facebook, follow me on any of the social medias. And as always, I'd like to thank my current patrons, MJ Calvo, Adrian, Celestial Weavers, John, Alien X, Lorna Grubb, Linda Gonzalez, Angela Delaire, Ashley, Brad Herbert, Lawrence Lee, Patricia Coles, Kayla, Max, Michael Worrell, Jimmy Woods, Grodius, Sophia Owens, Scott Wellman, Beware the Q, Ashley Thompson, Matt Poland, Johnny Wick, The Yale Adams, Danny Van Heck, Carnage, Jesse Leach, Austin Monday, Michael Graham, Ed Hawks, Trusty Old Senpai, Lex Lazarus, Brian Nolan, Jared, Matthew Lawson, Jismic, Space Coin, Gary Hetzel, Tom McClurney, Colton Spenner, Justin, Miyamoto Masashi, Jeremy Gross, Psychic Terror, Jacob, Neil McBride, Cameron Sanders, Robin Van Patten, Ryan L., and Bleed Gray. Thank you so much for supporting the show, but most of all, thanks for listening. And as one of the greatest craftsmen who ever lived once said, I cannot be broken, only annihilated.